are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Wednesday, January 27th, 2021. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Also, please go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good content being posted there every day as well. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Last night, the Hawks took on the Nashville Predators, looking to extend their winning streak to a season-long three games. And on the flip side, Nashville was coming off of three consecutive losses heading into this matchup, including a disastrous 7-0 beating to the hands of the Dallas Stars where they allowed five power play goals. So the Preds were reeling a bit heading into Tuesday's matchup, and unfortunately, the Blackhawks were not able to take full advantage, losing the game by a score of 3-2 in overtime. But before I get into a recap of the game, I need to go back a little bit and talk about some breaking news that came out on Tuesday morning regarding the Blackhawks, which was the announcement made by head coach Jeremy Colleton that forward Alex Dabrinkit and defenseman Adam Boquist are going to be out of the lineup for at least the next two weeks while they're on the NHL's COVID-19 protocol list. Now, we're not sure if either player has tested positive for the virus or anything. I doubt we'll get all the full details until their absence is over. But missing two full weeks sure makes it sound like at least one of these two players tested positive. And by the way, Boquist is currently living in Debrinket's basement, so anything that happens to one player pertaining to the spread of the virus kind of affects them both. So again, not sure exactly what the situation is, but we do know that the Hawks will be without two of their key young players for a pretty significant stretch here. Just another, <laughs> another bad break really seems to be the story of the last few months with this team. They are now without Jonathan Taze, Alex Dabrinkit, Kirby Doc, Alex Nylander, Adam Boquist, and Brent Seabrook. What a nightmare this season has become. So no Dabrinkit or Boquist on Tuesday for the Hawks. And in place of those two in the lineup were Matthew Highmore and Lucas Carlson. I wasn't surprised at all to see either of these guys get the nod in Highmore's uh, in Highmore's position. I think he was he was well deserving of a start after being a healthy scratch for each of the last three games. So Highmore was was needing a look there a little bit. And then for Carlson, it seemed like Colleton elected to go with him over former first-round pick Nicholas Bodan and Wyatt Kalanuck, who signed on as an unrestricted free agent this summer from the Philadelphia Flyers. It seemed like Colleton wanted to go with Carlson because of his ability to play on the right side. And obviously... With the right-handed Boquist out, that puts the Hawks a man down on the right side. So Carlson slotted in for Boquist on that top line with Keith, and then Colleton kept the rest of the D pairings 
the same. But with uh, but with Boquist out for a full two weeks here at least, I fully expect to see Bodan and Kalanuk get their chance in the lineup as well. It won't only be Carlson filling in for the next two weeks. In addition to Highmore and Carlson jumping into the lineup, Malcolm Subban made a bit of a surprising start here on Tuesday. That was the last change to the Blackhawks lineup. And while Kevin Lankinen has been playing incredible these last three games, the series is it's a back-to-back. There's two games in as many nights, so starting Lankinen in both games, that probably wasn't an option. So it, it does make sense to split up these two starts, and Lankinen will likely be in there tonight for the second game. And also, Subban hadn't played since the season opener against Tampa Bay, and I know he, he didn't look particularly well that night, but it was just one game, and you can't really get a full idea of how good a netminder is by evaluating just one game. So I like the decision by Colleton to start Subban on Tuesday, and that sets up Lankinen to be back in goal for the Blackhawks on Wednesday in the second game of the series against the Nashville Predators. All right, coming up in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to recap the Blackhawks' 3-2 overtime loss to the Nashville Predators on Tuesday night. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Built Bar has a ton of awesome classic flavors like banana bread, German chocolate cake, orange, and they also have six new flavors, which are caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. All of which, like the other 12 flavors, are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they are also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps to get 20% off your next order. Guys, Built Bar just sent me a sample pack with all 18 of their flavors. I got to try each one. And let me tell you, these are seriously some of the best protein bars I've ever had in my life. Cookies and cream and lemon almond cheesecake are two of my favorites. I think I could eat those things all morning. So one more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option. And be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps and you'll get 20% off your next Built Bar order. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with our new Lockdown Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Lockdown Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes by subscribing to Lockdown Today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I just finished up talking about the Blackhawks' lineup changes ahead of last night's game, as well as all the latest news on Alex DeBrinkett and Adam Boquist. Moving on now to the actual game itself, and overall, (laughs) 
This was a pretty ugly game for the Hawks from start to finish, even though the contest was going their way early on. The scoring opened up with yet another power play goal to extend the Hawks streak to seven games now. Still so crazy to me that this is the Hawks team. That's the one that's <laughs> the one that's actually good on the man advantage. Makes no sense, but that's hockey for you. Uh, and Strom was the one to cash in on Tuesday. His second goal of the season put the Hawks up one to nothing. Their third game in a row where they scored the first goal. And in the previous two, they won both contests. So uh, that, that looks like it was trending in the right direction. Also, in the first four games of the season, the Blackhawks fell behind one nothing and lost all four games. So a pretty big trend here in the first period for the Blackhawks. And this was actually the first time in seven games that the team who scored first did not wind up winning the contest. But still, a good habit or a good recipe for success is to score the first goal. So even though it didn't result in a victory for the Blackhawks on Tuesday, I liked how they came out aggressive and they were able to strike first once again. That's always a key for the Blackhawks because they just do not have a deep enough roster to be coming back from behind frequently. So Strom opened the scoring. A great no-look feed by Andrew Shaw to make the play happen. I'm not sure <laughs> if that pass was by accident or, or if it was on purpose. It certainly worked out, though. Uh, and by the way, what was the cause for this goal? Go back and look, before Shaw had the puck, before he found Strom wide open in the slot, what set this all up? Oh yeah, it all started with a Dominic Kubelik one-timer from the right circle. See, Jeremy, good things happen when you give Kubelik time on the top power play unit. And right there was a perfect example of how his big shot, it can impact other players, how his strong shot can make a play happen. So I definitely... Would like to see Kubelik stick with that top unit more consistently going forward because he was really the key factor to the Blackhawks scoring this power play goal early and taking a 1-0 lead. Then, in the second period, that's when the Blackhawks started to look a little gassed and the momentum started to uh, change size in favor of the Predators. And Nashville, they took full advantage. They tied the score 1-1 the, uh, near the midway point of the second period. A horrible play by Nikita Zadorov in transition. He was pretty rough all night, actually, and he was called out by Colleton during his postgame interview because of his poor play. Not that Colleton didn't call out a couple guys, but he said Zadorov was, uh, well, how did he put it? He said Zadorov was on a long list of players who need to be a lot better. So clearly Big Z was uh, not very efficient on Tuesday against the Predators, and on that play specifically, it was a nightmare. He got his pocket picked in the defensive zone, and then he whined to the refs. Didn't really do all that much to get <laughs> to get back uh, or do anything on the back check, and that led to Trennan walking right in and beating Subban with a wrist shot past his blocker. Some good patience showed there by Trennan, and that tied the score one to one. However, about seven eight minutes later in the middle frame, Matthias Janmark restored the Blackhawks' lead with a breakaway goal. And with Dabrinkit out of the lineup, Yanmark actually jumped up on the top line with Patrick Kane and Pia Suter, which first off just shows you how badly the Hawks have been derailed by injuries and everything right now. Yanmark on the top line, oh boy. But he's been, you know, really impressive offensive lately. I never thought I'd say that, but Yanmark, he's now got goals in three consecutive games, three goals on the year. And that's exactly what he came to Chicago to do. He wanted to improve his offensive game, and he certainly has done that so far. Yanmark's looking like a really solid pickup by Stan Bowman this offseason. But after Yanmark's goal, 
all hell broke loose for the Blackhawks the rest of the way. In the third period, whew, it was gross. They were outshot 12 to 4, and really the Hawks were they were playing not to lose, and we've seen that happen from them a couple a handful of times in the last couple of years where they just they don't look like they want to score another goal. They're just trying on all cylinders to try to let the clock run out, and that's just not the right way to play in the third period, as I said, especially with this roster. They they took their foot off the gas, and they allowed the Preds to dominate the puck possession, and when you play like that, even with Subban standing on his head to hold the lead, allowing the game-timing goal, it felt like only a matter of time because the Blackhawks couldn't do anything to stop the Predators from moving the puck around in the offensive zone. And as I said, with the roster we have, we just can't afford to play that way when we have the lead. We're not deep enough defensively. We're not strong enough in goal to play that style in the third period. So definitely disappointing to see that the Hawks squandered this lead late in the third. They were able to head into overtime to pick up a point, extended their point streak to four games, but it didn't take long for Yossi to take advantage of a breakdown in coverage by Dylan Stroman, Patrick Kane. By the way, Joel, uh, not Joel Quenville. I wish we still had Joel Quenville. Jeremy Colleton had Dylan Strome, Patrick Kane, and Ian Mitchell out there together in overtime. Not sure that's exactly a recipe for success on the defensive side of things. Um, and as I said, a breakdown in coverage by Stroman, Kane. Yossi makes a power move to the front of the net, and he stuffs home the game winner just like that. The Blackhawks winning streak came to an end at just two games. But to be honest, when you go back and look at all the stats from this game, look at all the analytics and everything, it's actually a miracle that the Blackhawks came away with a point. I mean, they were outshot 39 to 20. The Preds had 40 scoring opportunities compared to the Blackhawks 16. All the analytics were super ugly as I said. So even though it hurts to only walk away from this game with one point, we were up 2 to 1 late in the third period. For how badly we got outplayed, in addition to how depleted our lineup is, this is a game where the Blackhawks need to be for they need to look in the mirror and realize they're kind of fortunate to pick up one point. This is one you got like as tough as it was to lose this game, I think it's one you gotta shake off and not look too in depth about everything. Just because we're so depleted, it's a road game, we didn't have our best goalie going. We got a lot of young guys in the lineup. I just think this is one to to put in the rear view mirror and move on because at the end of the day, one point certainly better than none. And there were still some positive takeaways from this game that should help the Hawks adjust and come back here in 24 hours to pick up a victory in the second game of the series against the Nashville Predators. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that finishes up my recap of last night's 3-2 loss to the Predators. Coming up in just a moment, I'm going to talk about some of those positive takeaways from last night's game, as well as some of the negative takeaways. But first, I need to talk to you all about betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts, and be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. The NFL playoffs are heading to the Super Bowl. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes. College basketball is closing in on March Madness. NHL hockey has returned. The NBA is getting going. The sports world is madness right now, and there's only one place that has you covered for all your betting needs and one place that we trust, and that's betonline.ag. 
You can also visit the Lockdown Podcast Network's exclusive partner on social media at betonline underscore AG to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and be sure to use our promo code LOCKDOWN, one word in all caps, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. The NHL regular season is underway, and the best way to keep track of it all is by subscribing to Lockdown NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. So be sure to subscribe to Lockdown NHL wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Okay, I just finished up recapping how the Blackhawks fell to the Predators by a score of 3-2 in overtime last night. Before I wrap up today's episode, I wanted to be sure to talk about some of the key takeaways from last night's game that I I I didn't get to mention in the recap. First and foremost, Malcolm Subban was a beast last night. He stopped 36 of the 39 shots that he faced, and a lot of those were some big-time saves to keep the Hawks ahead in that second or third period. Just a much better effort from Subban than in his first game of work against Tampa Bay. And had the Blackhawks managed to score that overtime winner and scrape away a victory, this would have been the definition of a goalie win. So good showing here from Subban, and I expect him to earn another uh, another start here the next couple of games following that performance. Then another player who really looked good in my mind was Calvin DeHaan on a night where The Blackhawks defensemen really did not fare well. Zadorov struggled. Ian Mitchell didn't have his best game. Lucas Carlson was meh. I even thought Connor Murphy was just okay. But Tahan, he really stepped up while those guys were struggling, and he had himself a game out there. Dude was in straight warrior mode trying to keep the Blackhawks ahead by one goal. I saw he was credited with three blocks, but I seriously think... He probably had five or six. It was just another really impressive night by DeHaan, and that's been a common theme through these first seven games. Not only has he been good on defense, but he's also been really impressive moving the puck in the offensive zone as well. Another Blackhawk who I thought played really well last night was Brandon Hagel. Another noticeable night for him down on the Blackhawks' fourth line, and he's he's making it really tough right now on Matthew Highmore here because... Hagel has taken his spot on the fourth line, and he's been doing all the little things right. He's been good on both ends of the puck, he's been physical, and he's moved the puck well with Camp and Carpenter. And I know that fourth line still doesn't have a goal this year, but I like how they've been playing, and Hagel has been a big part of that recently, so I expect to see him continuing to receive time on that fourth line, along with David Camp and Ryan Carpenter. On the flip side, a couple Blackhawks who struggled last night, as I mentioned, Zadorov was really bad. Mitchell wasn't great. He actually saw a season-low ice time, just 11 minutes and 43 seconds last night. And one big one was Patrick Kane. Kane's five-game point streak came to an end last night. And in bigger news, for just the seventh time in his NHL career, Kane failed to record a shot attempt in this contest. Nearly a 1,000 games for Kane are in his career, and this was just the seventh time he didn't have a shot attempt. He was just way too passive with the puck on his stick all night long, 
And without some of our big guns in the lineup, we're obviously without Taze, without Doc, without Alex Debrinkit. Shoot, even Alex Nylander's not out there. I know he wasn't great, but he's someone who is one of our better offensive players and has a solid offensive skill set. So with all those guys out, Kaner, he needs to be firing the puck whenever he gets the opportunity in the offensive zone. So a, a lot of guys struggled on Tuesday night. It wasn't just the, the some of the defensemen. It was also some of the superstars up front for the Blackhawks. Patrick Kane really did not have a good game. Um, and that needs to change if they want to pick up uh, a victory here in the back half of this series against the Predators. In total, uh, some of the big changes I think the Hawks need to make on the fly. One, just got to play with the puck more on their stick. Cleaner passes, less breakdowns in the defensive zone. Nashville just had the puck basically for the whole third period, and when you let that happen, you're probably not going to win too many games. Um, so I just think the Hawks need to get back to, to making the easy plays. Fire the puck on net, get traffic in front of those netminders, and, and make life difficult for the goaltender and the defenseman in that zone because the Blackhawks, only 20 shots on goal on Tuesday. I just don't think they made Nashville work hard enough. Another key to a victory tonight, I believe, is getting more physical. I just felt like the Predators really bullied the Blackhawks off the puck a lot, especially in that second and third period. As I said, the Hawks were just getting dominated. Uh, and Nashville just looked like they wanted it more. That's really what it came down to. And again, I've mentioned this a couple times already on the episode, but with this roster that the Blackhawks have, they cannot afford to be outworked on the ice, especially by that large of a margin. So get grindy get physical, and win those one-on-one -on -one battles, I think that will go a long way to the Blackhawks picking up their first road victory of 2021 tonight in Nashville. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Wednesday, January 27th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and to follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Locked On NHL podcast. The NHL regular season is underway, and the best way to keep track of it all is by subscribing to Locked On NHL. Local experts each week bring you the biggest stories, game recaps, and fantasy advice all in one podcast. So be sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you may listen to your podcasts. Once again, Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, go Hawks. Let's finish up this two-game series with at least one victory. And thanks again for listening to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.